Less than a week to Brexit. So how's agriculture feeling? A lot of people are making excuses that that's perhaps slowing things down, but actually we don't see that. Farming will continue. Whatever happens, we will continue farming. We have a massive window of opportunity to sow crops between now and May. So it's not all gloom and doom. Today, I take the temperature of farming with the manufacturers and the dealers at the sharp end of the industry. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Hello, it's hard to believe it's finally here. It was four years and two months ago when we first mentioned the word Brexit here on The Farming Programme as campaigning started for the EU referendum. Finally, come 11 o'clock on Friday evening, Brexit becomes reality. Well, aside from the transitional period, which hopefully won't take another four years. Uh, As we've discussed many times before here on the programme, the ongoing debate led to a huge amount of uncertainty. It saw the end of two Prime Ministers and led to two general elections. So now we know the direction of travel. How are things in farming itself? The weather last year was also a concern, of course, and with winter crops abandoned, we're far from out of the woods, or should that be floods just yet? But I thought at Lama there was a sign of optimism. Yes, a challenging year ahead, but many appeared to be looking positively to the future. Is that the case, though? Uh, Louth Tractors held its open day recently. Now, bear in mind, it was a beautiful sunny day as well, with that dry start to the year, not like the current forecast, sadly. Anyway, uh, I went along and I chatted first with John Smith of Louth Tractors. So, how's business, John? It's very up and down. Uh, It's no kidding you that it's absolutely fantastic. We had a reasonably good November. December was a bit quiet and it's picked up again now. We've got a few new things. We've got a new brand of um, UTVs and ATVs, Can-Am, a fairly robust sort of make. Uh, We've got a new range of micro tractors, compact tractors, Mitsubishi. They're new to us, they're new to Lincolnshire. It's a brand that's well known in the industry, so we're looking to sort of explore different avenues there. We think there's plenty of opportunity with not mainstream farming customers, but people who buy small tractors, um, recreational, tourists, caravans, you know, golf courses. So just to sort of spread our option a little bit. Case here as well, obviously they've got their quad track. Looking at the conditions that we had in, in autumn last year with the, the wet weather, I guess machinery like that is is very attractive to, to those farmers that are finding the land difficult at the moment. Yeah, the quad track, I mean, it's a very big machine. It's a very expensive machine, but it still is the ultimate solution when it's really wet and difficult. And it was shown to its very best last autumn i mean it was so wet it was probably impossible for anything but yeah there's certainly a lot of interest in tractors of that type particularly the quad track where people are teaming up you know two three neighbors getting together and at least you can get the job done in reasonable conditions and i know people coming to you for advice thinking look what what is now suitable for my land given the conditions we've had Hmm. there's a lot of interest in strip till and direct drilling and non-inversion tillage there has been for some time, but it grows and grows and grows. And we like to think at our tractors, we've got a lot of experience with Sumo. We've been strip-tilling ourselves since 2012. We've worked through some of the pitfalls. We're certainly seeing a lot of advantages to, to the way we're farming, and there's more and more interest in that. And there will be more and more interest as we get more and more environmental controls. Um, so, we are, yeah, everyone's sort of coming around to farming slightly differently. Doesn't mean the plough's going to be thrown away. There's always a deal. We've just ploughed some land, some sugar beet land. But certainly there's massive interest in regenerative farming, sustainable farming, lots of titles flying around. It works. We've got to move. We've got to always be moving forward. And farmers always do. It's no different now if it was 100 years ago or 50 years ago. Times change.
I got a feeling from Lama that uh, people seem more optimistic as we've got into the the new year, whether it is because of the weather or the political weather has changed as well. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think even farmers can't be grumpy forever. (laughs) (laughs) Me being one of them. Uh, No, I thought Lama was very positive. Everyone's looking forward to a day out. It's a good show. It's well laid out. It's nice and warm. Um, The financial situation in the short term is not too bad. And there were um, some interesting ideas. So I definitely came away with with a, uh, a feeling of um, positivity and optimism. I thought Lama was good. Uh, we're finding it today. Yeah, we've done a bit of business this morning, which is always good. And that is good. You, you can't stand still in this business, can Never. you? Never. No. And I think we've emerged from that sort of... Everyone was so gloomy in November and December. Quite rightly, the weather's rubbish and no crops in the ground. Uh, but the mood always changes... Talked to a couple of other people here have been saying, yes, it, optimism, but they think it will be a challenging 2020, but getting through it is very important, and then hopefully things will look up. Yeah, and the only way we can get through it is um, by getting through it. That sounds daft, but we can make things happen. It looks pretty grim at the moment. Prices are good, but you can't get good prices. You've got nothing to sell. We're of, uh, we've a massive window of opportunity to sow crops between now and May, so it's not all gloom and doom. It's probably unusual. I think a lot of us are faced with a situation we probably haven't seen before. I've never seen it. I've never had a thousand mil of rain on my farm in the world's before. There seems to be a little bit of stability, a little bit of political stability. All these things, they're like pieces in the jigsaw, aren't they? And I think the autumn of last year, everything was wrong. Absolutely everything was wrong, and people were feeling a bit... bit. But there's always, always opportunity to come out of difficult times. And it's up to us as an industry to kind of sort it and get through it. John Smith at Louth Tractors. So what of those that John deals with, who were also there at the recent Open Day? Nick Clark is UK sales manager for Ovlac, a Spanish family-run business. How are things, Nick? Um, obviously, it's been a bit wet, so uh, it's slowed things down a bit, but obviously all the work there is there still to do. So as soon as it dries up, we're expecting you know to be uh, extremely busy. Tell us a little bit about the business. Tell us a bit more about the, the kind of machinery that you're selling, really, if you like. Yeah, well, Ovlak, um, they specialise in, in ploughs, mounted ploughs, semi-mounted ploughs, and a range of cultivation machinery and disc arrows. And, and that's what they really specialise in. Being that the machinery is built in um, Spain, they try to use hard ox um, steel wherever they can. So the likes of the... Um, uh, Mobile legs, support brackets, headstocks, all, all these parts are all made of hard ox, um, which is significantly stronger than, you know, other steels. And, and getting good response from, from customers? Yeah, we've had a good, um, they've had a good turnout here today. We've spoke to quite a few potential customers. So, yeah, just got to hopefully convert them into orders now. So. Always the way. Always <laughs> yeah. the, that's the difficulty, isn't it? And, and how are they feeling for, for, for this year, for 2020? More optimistic than certainly the latter think, end of last year? Well, I think they're more optimistic now. Brexit is sort of, mm. you know, sort of going the right way. We've had the election anyway, so um, that's certainly helped. We just need some dry, drier conditions now, but I think the general mood is, is better than the end of last year for sure, yeah. And does does Brexit affect obviously with you know the Spanish connection? Is there yeah. a is there an issue there for you? We or not? don't know if we're going to get um, any kind of um, you know cost cost implications yet. We we don't know, and I don't think anyone knows. Um, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of machinery is is made made abroad, so it will affect all of us if it happens. But 
seen from 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 some other manufacturers that people because of brexit because of that uncertainty were kind of holding back on spending and we're thinking well let's just wait and see what happens some maybe we're using it as an excuse not to spend uh, have you seen now that we're approaching the end of january and it looks like we know the direction we're going in that people are now coming back to you and saying actually we do know what we're doing now so let's get on with it well we do farming will continue whatever happens we will continue farming um, the crops will need to be in the ground we need to grow them and you know life life will carry on so i think the mood is generally more positive and you know may, maybe people will change their techniques a little bit um, with the weather we've had um, but yeah i think yeah generally more positive and is there anything particularly you're promoting this year as a, as a business, particular machinery, given the weather conditions we've had perhaps, does that change what you would normally be promoting? Or? We are expecting to sell a lot of chisels, a very simple machine, but very good for aerating the soil, which is obviously what we need now. And we proof of it, really, we, we sold quite a few last week. So just hopefully we've, we've got enough in stock. <laughs> <laughs> and it is adapting to those conditions, isn't yeah. it, for a business like yourself? You've yeah. got to, you know, you want to adapt, the, 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 the customer wants to adapt, and, and it's having those techniques and having, having the right machinery. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we can see, like I say, you know, chisels, you know, are selling well. Um, maybe people will look to do more ploughing, ploughing and combination drilling, rather than, rather than you know, minimal till. Um but as soon as it dries up, we'll see. That's Nick Clark there from Ovlack. Well, also at the recent Louth Tractors Open Day, as I mentioned with John Smith when we chatted a few moments ago, Case IH were in attendance. And Ross McDonald from Case IH told me why Louth Tractors are so important to them. Yep, we've got a lot of um, big customers here, high-value cropping um, with uh, vegetables and sugar beet and everything else that comes down the coast. So... Um, these guys and a few others are important dealers in our network, uh, especially on the high-end stuff, if you will, the, the quad track that I think is out the front, um, uh, and a couple of combines um, out the side there as well. So, yeah, big big kit for us, big ticket items. And, and good response to the quad track? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're 22 years now with the quad. Um, and it just keeps going from strength to strength. We've just added a new transmission option in there last year, um, which is our CVX, so the, the Vario transmission, um, which is proving quite popular with, with customers. Extra control and much smoother and quieter, especially on the road. Not that they should be on the road, but yeah. And what do you, what do you think it is that's making it uh, so successful? What do people really like about the quad? About the quad track? Yeah. Um, I suppose it, the main thing is what it can pull um, and the job that it leaves behind, so the footprint. So although the tractor with a full tank of diesel and someone in the seat weighs close to 30 tonnes, um, if I was to stand on one foot, there's no more pressure under my foot than there is per square inch on, on that machine. So um, we've had a pretty rubbish winter shall we say pretty wet the least. um and yeah the quad tracks are, are going in conditions that that other tractors won't go in and how's how's business generally you mentioned obviously the weather last year it does seem with the turn of the year optimism is is on the up again by the looks of it it's sunny day today as well which helps yeah um 
think the, 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 speaking to farmers um, around the country, I obviously get to most corners, um, and generally they're quite positive. Um, Brexit, I don't think, is really affecting us. I think a lot of people are making excuses that that's perhaps slowing things down, but actually, you know, we, we don't see that. Um, the numbers uh, and the tractors that are coming out of the factory, the dealers are certainly out there up the farm drives and, and yeah, the feedback from people we're speaking to today and other events around the country is pretty, pretty good, really. And as for Case, obviously good business at the moment and people, you know, you're always looking for that next thing, aren't you, to, to you know, whether it's putting new gear into the quad track or whatever it might be, it's looking for the future. Yeah, yeah, um, we've got a lot of changes internally. Um, we've just launched a new sort of precision farming part of the business where we're bringing um, different technologies to market. We've got um, a very first edition of uh, the new interior of our Magnum tractor here. So this is the new display, new armrest, which will be rolled out um, across everything over the next year or so. So um, that only just arrived with us the other day. So. Um, we're just kind of showing people around what, what's coming next. And I said, it's important to keep moving forward, isn't it? Yeah, um, data um, is certainly the, the buzzword at the minute um, and being open. So with our new Magnum AFS Connect range where data uh, is the centre of it. So it it's complete, can be viewed from the office tablet phone. The dealer can log in and see what the operator is seeing. They can keep an eye on any error codes. Any um, jobs that are done in the field are sent straight back to the, the farm office. Um, so it's connectivity um, is, is the, the next big thing, really, and, and we're kicking it off with the Magnum, um, and that will be very soon into the, the other tractors in the range. Ross McDonald there from Case IH speaking at the recent Lath Tractors Open Day. A good day was had by all with the homemade vegetable soup and sausage rolls on offer as well. Very tasty. They were, I can tell you. Uh, right, uh, before you hear my stomach rumbling again, let's get back to the programme. Let's see uh, what's happening with Kit Dickinson at Open Field. Hi, Kit. What is happening then? Well, there this week, uh, the pound has firmed back to one-month highs against the euro. This didn't really seem to make a difference on Tuesday, but Wednesday it started to take a negative effect on the London wheat market. We've had a week of reasonable weather, and given the end of the last year and the start of January, if this continues into next week, we should start to see some drilling fingers crossed. The British pound has moved higher following the release of data out midweek that showed optimism against the British businesses and has picked up sharply in the month of January, providing further evidence that January the 30th might be too soon for the Bank of England to cut interest rates. Has anything fundamentally changed? Not really. We are still being driven by the sentiment of new crop and the fact that domestic mills want to buy something, but nobody will sell it. This is still largely the case, and until we hit the spring, I'm struggling to see much change. One thing which is becoming a slight concern is logistics as we come nearer to harvest. It is six months away, but it is becoming quite evident that domestically mills are showing a lack of intake of grain. This will pick up in the spring, but will it bottleneck as we come closer to harvest? How much cover have they got from April, May and June? How much realistically will the UK farmer store through to harvest 2020? We mustn't panic yet, but storage could be a problem. Moving on to all-seed rate, markets were lower on the back of futures this week with subsequent currency calculation, but there are still odd spot bids into Cheshire, and these bids are several pounds higher than other destinations. Keep your eye on all-seed rate markets going forward. 
It is no surprise that barley is trading at £25 below wheat, given the limited amount of wheat that we have drilled. Keep your eye on barley prices in the next few months, because it will most likely be the time when prices settle out, and 130 is now achievable going forward. This is a very good price for the season to date. Beans continue at a slow pace with limited fresh news from last week. There is still a lack of buyers, and for the very best human consumption beans, we are trading anywhere between £25 and £35 over the feed base. These premiums are only applicable to specific samples, so please do get in contact with your open field farm business manager for specific prices. Now moving on to prices this week for feed wheat, January 150, for March 152, for May 154, and November 20, 161 to 163. Milling premiums, yet again, are still £20. Oil seed rate for January is 326 to 328, March 328 to 330, May 330 to 332. There are limited prices going forward. Barley for January is 120, with a good carry through to March from 126 to 128, May 128 to 130, and November 20, 131 to 133. Malting premiums are still very low at circa five to seven pounds. Thank you, Kit. Kit Dickinson, the information we need as ever from Open Field. Equally informative, our crop doctor, Sean Sparling from Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. It's quite a week this week, isn't it? It's quite a milestone. This is the last week of the farming programme inside the European Union. Once we get to Friday, we're feral. We're out there on our own, scavenging in the wilderness. I wonder if we'll be feeling any different this time next week. What I know for a fact is I'm not going to be feeling an awful lot different about the crops we've got out there in the field. So let's start with oilseed rate. You've got until the 31st of January to get your propizomide containing products on. So your curb, your astrocurb, etc. needs to be on by the end of January. And we've said that you need um, moisture in the soil, you need cold soils in order for them to work efficiently. We've got those, although we are starting to see the first signs of a bit of an increase in soil temperatures. Bizarrely, considering we've had minus twos and minus threes this week, but on Friday morning at nine o'clock, the soil temperature on some land I look after just outside Horncastle was 4.6 degrees and that's enough just to start these crops thinking about putting a bit of spring growth on and you can see it in some of these all seed rate crops the new growth starting to unfurl from the centre of the plant what I would say is before we get on to the nutrition side just get out there with your knife and cut these plants open in the field because looks can be very, very deceiving. We saw it last year. There were fields that looked fantastic all the way through to the early part of April and then they stopped dead in their tracks because of the, because of the sheer numbers of cabbage stem flea beetle larvae that were sat there underneath the growing point just waiting to explode so you need to get your knife out cut these plants open and have a look and if you're finding a significant number of plants that are absolutely full of cabbage stem flea beetle larvae you need to have a conversation with your advisor as to whether it is worth persevering with that crop you don't want to spend a fortune on herbicides and fertilizers only to take about seven tons of oilseed rape off 50 hectares of a crop you need to make those decisions they're hard decisions the good thing is if you do get that crop through to harvest it looks like the price is going to be pretty good so nitrogen and sulfur both of those nutrients will have leached through the soil with the amount of rain we've taken since the 22nd of september they are mobile insoluble and water filled conditions they will have moved through the profile so these crops are going to be very hungry now as thoughts turn to the first 
split of the, the spring nitrogen. If you've got 200 kilos of nitrogen still to put on, remember the first dose wants to contain sulfate. That will also have leached. 75 kilos per hectare or thereabouts of SO3 is what an all-seed rate crop needs to perform optimally, if you like. So that first split, we always say, goes on somewhere between the middle of February and the end of February. For me, I think there's an argument for bringing that forward because these crops will have very little underneath them. They're going to need a lot of food so they can put on biomass so that they're ready for stem extension in about six weeks' time. So we need to be conscious of that. Now, whether that means that you go with a hit of nitrogen now, maybe 30, 40 kilos, and then go in the middle to the end of February with the balance of that 100 kilos of nitrogen plus the sulfate, it'll still have time to get into the plant by the first week or so of April that may be the way to do it rather than just giving it a massive hit of 100 kilos because if we get water and we get cold soils if we get rain again we're going to lose a proportion of that so speak to your fact qualified advisor make sure that you are doing the right thing but also there are deficiencies out there in the field there's molybdenum deficiency we're seeing magnesium and manganese quite widely out here in the field boron deficiency starting to hint at what we're looking at but it's very difficult to spot because of the lack of leaf so as things start to improve and leaf growth starts to increase and you start to be able to distinguish disease from nutrient deficiency you can then work it out molybdenum for example last year i believe that yara was saying that 60 percent of the samples that went in through the laboratory showed they were deficient in molybdenum and the sulfate has a negative effect on molybdenum molybdenum very very important in the plant for converting nitrate to nitrite which is the thing that enables it to put on dry matter so just make sure that what you're looking at is what you're seeing so if you think something's disease it could well be a, a nutrient deficiency that's going to need monitoring this spring it will need dealing with there are pretty much a, an unlimited plethora of nutrient foliar feeds that you can go at on that basis winter wheat winter barley winter rye again i think 30 kilos of nitrogen 20 or 30 kilos of nitrogen as soon as you can travel will be very very beneficial for the same reasons as i've just said on oilseed rate a lot of that nitrogen will have already gone through the main root the probing root on the cereal crop will have already rotted off in these wet conditions that will not grow back the root system will be compromised now for the rest of the season it'll throw out adventitious roots which are looking for nutrient and water but they're not going to have to go very deep because the soils are very wet so we're going to have to make sure there is food there available for them so if ever there was a year for changing from a three-way split of nitrogen through the spring maybe a four or even a five-way split may be the way to go we have to react to what's out there in the field and from here on in treat anything winter wheat wise that you drill from now onwards as a spring crop 60 kilos of nitrogen or thereabout in the seedbed would make an awful lot of sense and remember what we've said before manganese magnesium while soil temperatures are so low and there's no active growth and the plant can't really assimilate it quickly not a lot of point in putting it on so but I am seeing a lot of anomalies out there, a lot of natural things going on. Snails up trees. I'm finding groups of two or three hundred snails, four foot off the ground, south-facing trees, largely sycamores and ash trees. But I'm just wondering what they know. I hope it's not a sign of something to come weather-wise. And so many starlings. Never seen so many murmurations of starlings as I'm seeing this spring. It's absolutely wonderful. It's almost like CGI in the sky. It's a fascinating thing to watch. We're seeing the herons moving into their heronries down near Bourne. I've got the rooks in the rookeries up near Horncastle and I have a thrush that sits singing outside my back door from about seven o'clock in the morning. Absolutely beautiful. So what I'm hoping is that that thrush knows far more about what weather's coming than those snails. Let's see what the next seven days bring. <laughs> Let's see. Thank you, Sean Sparling at Sparling Agronomy Services. Right. Who's right then? The snails 
or the thrush? There's only one way to find out. No, not in a Harry Hill way. No, it's the forecast. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, there is some rain to come, so maybe the snails know what's happening, though it depends on just where certain weather fronts end up this week, so the thrush might win out. There's a band of rain expected to pass over today. Shouldn't last long, but it could be heavy where it falls. The wind from the south at 30 miles an hour in places, highs around 9 Celsius later. Tomorrow should be mostly dry during the day, though rain again later on by evening, and that wind still from the south, maybe southwest, 10 to 20 miles an hour. It could be windier, though, depending on that weather system just to the south of us and how high that climbs, whether it will reach us or not. Tuesday and Wednesday looks relatively calm, hopefully some sunshine, but again windy from the west this time, gusts 30 miles an hour. Uh, then milder air for the latter end of the week. Could be wet, though, We'll keep a check on it with our hourly forecasts. For now, that is the forecast, and indeed another week's agriculture. As I said right at the start of the programme, by next week we'll be out of the EU. It does feel strange saying that after so many years of discussion. So, as Sean Sparling said earlier, join us for the first ever post-Brexit farming programme next week at the usual time. Until then, take care.